Wait a minute. No. I want to hear some doctor, doctor. Can we hear some doctor, doctor? Doctor, give me the news. There it is. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. You know, I remember two weeks ago, Dr. Batar, when Ty Bollinger called in and crashed Advanced Medicine Monday? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go to a different show. I know. <laughs> Ty was here even though he wasn't here today. What was that? Oh, I, just got, I just got an email from him, too, about 15 minutes ago, and yeah. uh, he wanted to talk to me, and I said, I'll, you know, I'll talk to you after the show. Yeah. But uh, I'm not talking to anyone of you guys. I'm boycotting this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the other side. I'm going, to, I'm going on the vaccine side. Oh, no. On the, on the pharmaceutical drug side, man. I'm oh, no. See, now, Robert, you have yes. just now created the Darth Vader of the health world. It's there all you your go. fault. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't you be calling up Jenny. Ma- yeah, here he goes. Don't you be calling up Jenny McCarthy and threatening her. She's a, she's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. Anyway, it is Advanced Medicine Monday. I've been telling you all day. I don't know who's. It isn't even April 1st. It's true. Uh, so, Dr. Batar, I just got back from uh, have natural. Have you taken a nap? You need a nap. I think I need a nap. I'm fired up now, though. I'm really upset. Uh, the it, I was actually so excited before we got on the air, too, because we were talking about I was just in Portland. I spoke at a gastroenterology conference in uh, in Oregon at the naturopaths, naturopath group. And, you know, there was there was two sides to this thing. It was really interesting because there's a story here about if you want to be successful, don't become a doctor yet. You know, if we had a predominant paradigm of doctoring in America, I would much, quite honestly, have naturopathy than allopathy as a primary mechanism. So this group has really established itself in terms of its bona fides and learning stuff. They're smart folks, but they're licensed to in certain states, and and they're even allowed to give vaccinations. So there's just some weirdness about that. Yeah, and I think that's the, you know, wanting to belong to the, the the group that's in charge, kind of like the wannabe factor. And I think there's a problem anytime you indoctrinate a philosophy and say allopathy or osteopathy or naturopathy or, you know, whatever the philosophy is, I think that we need to be less attached to our um, constraints that bring us together and look mm-hmm. at more the commonality of things that should be universally applicable to all aspects. Yeah, I, I think so. And the one thing I really admired about the naturopathic uh, curricula is that they invest intensely, I can say that, in, in, in the law of the terrain. They, they study that it's not the germ. It's not killing the germ. It's not all about that. And, and that's refreshing because, you know, we have to when we when we go out and talk to the medical community, you yourself have done this for years. You, don't you have to un, unlearn more than you have to teach them at first well, to kind of get absolutely. them out of it? Yeah. Absolutely, you almost have to detox their brain from yes. the concepts that have been taught. But here, to here, the uh, the irony of what you said, though, they get the terrain, they understand that it's not the germ, et cetera, et cetera, and yet they're vying to vaccinate. They're, they're trying to get their ability to vaccinate. 
Yeah, and, and I don't know, to be honest and to be fair, I don't know that they lobbied for it. I just know that they got equal standing in so many ways. They can prescribe drugs there. I'm thinking, you know, that's that's sort of the antithesis of it, but that's like, I want to be like them. It's sort of like the battle that the chiropractors had. Yes, they were, the medical side of it was colluding to get rid of them, and they said, no, no, we want to be licensed like them. And I said, you know, being licensed isn't guaranteeing that you have legitimacy, or is it protecting the public either? But it's, the, but it's the personification of that licensing. It's the the image that's been painted by the hierarchy that you're not valid unless you're licensed. And if anything, mm-hmm. uh, if if you're not a licensed provider, then you're something under the you, you're you're something that's operating under the porch type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're second or third class sure. citizen sure, type sure. of thing. I mean, couldn't uh, perceptions, or of course, perception becomes reality for folks. But I mean, couldn't we legitimately say? We can do some form of private licensure that doesn't require the government to sanction one system over another, and we could let people decide what they want to access. I mean, I was on uh, Fox News with Ty this last weekend on on Carol Alt Show, and I said, you know, basically people don't realize how this came to be at this point. It wasn't always like this in history. Yeah, I think people forget history. Uh, The the historical perspective is lost upon us, as we've talked about the use of... uh homeopathics during the Civil War. You know, one of the things that I discussed with a researcher just this past week, which I think is interesting, we know about the effects of silver and how beneficial Mm -hmm. silver is in various forms. Uh, In fact, even some of the more potent antiviral, antibacterial pharmaceutical substances now used for burn patients, which was actually developed at my, at the Institute of Surgical Research at Brook Army Medical Center, where I did my general surgery training at, uh, Silverdeen. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all things that, when you trace back, historically, silver was used. But what we don't remember is that copper was even better antiviral, antibacterial, and that in Egypt, 5,000 mm-hmm. years ago, when a person was sick, they would drink water from a copper flask, and they would eat food from a copper bowl. The antiviral and antibacterial properties of copper are, are astounding, and I just learned that just recently. So we're actually going to be doing some work in, in the field of copper now. Yeah, in fact, our, our friends over in Air Natural Mutagenics coming out with a copper hydrosol within, I think they're down to the weeks before they bring it out, because that, that was what they discovered as well, the perfect complement. Uh, you know, there's more antifungal property from copper than silver. And, and you know, what's interesting at the naturopathic college, they don't even teach silver. It's not, even though it's in the pharmacopoeia, there was a, a you know, established thing used within medicine for a long time. It's abandoned even on that side of it. So there's a lot of relearning that has to take place because of what happened in the last 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're saying that there is a copper hydrosol form that's being made now? Oh, yeah. They, they've been uh, uh, doing it. It's been in R&D for at least three years to perfect it to the form of the particle size that they wanted to get to like they did with the silver. So I'm very you're excited about that. Me, basically. I've been holding out on you, Dr. Bittar, but you know, there's got to be a surprise like the opening today from Ty. I don't know. Yeah. Keep it loose and free. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little too loose and a little too free. <laughs> I know. I know Ty is laughing his butt off uh, uh, listening at home today, so <laughs> he's he's probably enjoying it. Say, yeah, so I'm there. John, you I'm know there. what you got to do on Wednesday now, right? <clears throat> uh, yes, yes, I do know what we need to do on Wednesday. <laughs> I hear no, you loud and clear. Paybacks, paybacks. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> 
Hey, uh, Dr. Batari. Now, Jenny McCarthy, you actually know in a matter oh, oh, you know years. We've talked about that, but did you see this story? How she, you know, because she's on TV, she does her show, I think, with the View, and she tweeted out an innocent question. What do you find, you know, is 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 a valuable, let's say, uh, um, uh, trait in a mate, you know, in a, in, a, in a spouse or a loved one? And rather than having, you know, like I think honesty or integrity, she got what they call Twitter bombed by people saying. Uh, uh, having a spouse that is willing to vaccinate their children. I mean, and she got slammed with this. I was like, oh my, these people are cultists to do that. Well, there's an old saying, Robert, that only a dead horse doesn't get kicked. <laughs> so if you're getting kicked, then you know you're making a difference. And I would, I'm pretty sure that Jenny probably already understands that, so... Yeah, no, she hasn't. She hasn't backed down on that front. I know she's realized it's it's taken a hit on her career. Although she's she's never come out and and attacked vaccinators. I mean, that's the irony of, of all of this. When we talk about the things, we try to keep it in the realm of reality. Uh, but those folks that live in their parents' basement at in their forties, fifties, and sixties that come out and and attack people like Jenny simply for acknowledging what happened to her child and speaking out about it, uh, you know, there's something psychologically or emotionally wrong with those folks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for people that take the high road, obviously, and I've always felt that people that react in a very exaggerated manner and uh, in a manner that's not appropriately um, at, at the you know dialed in at the same level as it should be, that usually indicates some type of underlying imbalance in the sense that they know that they're doing something wrong, meaning you push somebody and instead of pushing you back, they pull out a shotgun and, and shoot you or try to shoot you. You know that there's an, they've got something else going on because that's just not a normal response. And they've got another agenda that's something more suspect than what you would think, you know, they're trying to get me out of the way. There's something more than that. So I, I look at the response of an individual or a response of an organization or of a society uh, and how the, the intensity of their response is it is it uh, too much for what it should be, or is it is it too high? And if it is mm-hmm. too high, then it means that they're guilty of something. There's something that they're trying to hide. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? Maybe oh yeah, I'm not no, I do. It correctly, I, yeah, well, it's 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 not commensurate commensurate with the like I said, whatever was stated. It's more of a, a you know an emotional reaction. Of course, it, you know, it, occasionally it does get me upset. I'm human, you know. I do. I let it out, but uh, I, you know, we but that's are normal. Are, what know. I'm meaning is like I, I do this with an employee. If I ask an employee a question and they become very defensive and very adamant about something, even though I'm not, I haven't said anything except for asking them just a simple question. Yeah, that tells me that they did something wrong and they're sensitive about it. And then I'll ask them. Well, I wasn't accusing you of anything, but obviously you're so uh, defensive about this. What are you so defensive about? There's only one reason you would be so defensive about it, and that mm-hmm. is if you know you did something wrong. Or you, yeah, and yeah. and so I think that that's that's what I was trying to say, and I don't think I said it very well. But maybe you could get Ty to paraphrase it for me and <laughs> put it more eloquently. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. By the way, I, in, in a spouse or a mate, I don't uh, embrace a companion who wants to medically experiment upon children with toxin-filled syringes. I, I don't. I'm just saying and 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 if you want to yell at me for that, go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of strange though that they they would use that comment. You know, what would you see in a mate uh, as a you know instigator for those type of comments? It doesn't make any sense really because I'm sure she tweet uh, she tweets about different things. I wonder why that. Uh, 
I, well, like I said, they're looking for reasons to jump on her attacker, as they are with anybody who's questioning some of these news reports, like this one we're, we're going to cover in just a little bit about diseases once thought eradicated appear to be reappearing in the U.S. I want to get to the the bottom line. Is it valid? Is it real? Have we dropped 1% in vaccine compliance and suddenly everybody's getting measles? What's going on? Dr. Batar is the guy. He's going to help us answer it here. It is Advanced Medicine Monday. And if you haven't gotten his internationally best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, get it now. It's linked up in the show notes, and we'll all be together at Autism One in May in Chicago. Looking forward to that. So, compliance? Do you comply? Do I comply? Not with the CDC vaccine schedule, but why? You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Having some fun now. Dr. Rashid Batar, Advanced Medicine Monday, drbatar.com. All the links are up, including the medicalrewind.com. If you ever miss a show, easiest way to catch up on all of the Advanced Medicine Mondays, you go medicalrewind.com. Also streaming live through naturalnewsradio.com and, of course, our syndicator, GCN. Now, Dr. Batar, the big question. What is going on? PBS says, oh, my gosh, diseases once thought eradicated are reappearing Yet they still admit 90% of the population are vaccinated against measles. Cases are happening in people who are vaccinated against measles. And so I'm just going, I'm scratching my head and going, what's the magic number for this magical, mystical herd immunity? Well, you know that that's a, the, the whole thing is preposterous. I mean, if truly the vaccines were the cause of prevention of these diseases, then after so many years, of so many people, 90% plus of the population being vaccinated, incidences, incidences, I guess, incidents of the issue mm-hmm. being relatively unheard of. And now, what did you, I think you said 2013 tripled? Yeah, they said uh, the cases have tripled uh, in 2013. It's like, it isn't like there's been a significant shift. Sure, people that listen to this show, that have read your book, they're going to be questioning. They might be reducing their, their vaccines. It might eliminate them altogether. But let's be honest, as much as we're growing, we're still hitting a drop of the bucket out there. I'm thinking we're not really impacting that if they're still saying 90% of the American public is getting vaccinated for measles. Yeah, I mean, the, the the whole point is that this earlier vaccination schedule on the first day on the planet, it's it's reducing the immune response. You know, this is a this is a one thing that everybody really, really needs to understand. And I I would not be considered really an anti-vaccine individual. Um, I think that if you want to give a vaccine, the whole premise of giving a vaccine is nothing more than exposing an individual slowly and in a controlled fashion to something that acts as a haptin or as an antigen so that the body's own innate immune system starts to build immunity to it. So it creates antibodies so that the next time the body sees that foreign substance, it's already got a buffer in place, it's already got immunoglobulins in place so it can actually fight more effectively. There's nothing wrong with that concept. That's how the body works. It's when you start taking adjuvants uh, that are supposed to irritate the immune system, Right. That, then you add things that are 
destructive to the immune system that are immunosuppressive, like mercury, like thimerosal, like formaldehyde, like aluminum, like nickel, like some of these other components. Then you throw in DNA addicts from other species, such as monkey brain and chicken embryo and dog kidneys and all this other stuff. Then you take human, mutated human cell lines, and you start putting them in vaccines to give the diversity to the uh, DNA addicts that are inside the vaccine, and then you put them, pile them all together at one time on an immune system that hasn't even dealt with being able to mount an immune response, i.e. the first day of planet, as well as adding insult to injury, you've got another issue where the body's ability to clear some of these adjuncts is not in, even in place yet. For instance, mercury is eliminated through the alimentary tract, and it can't even eliminate this in the first year of life because in the first year of life the alimentary tract is still developing it's not till the first year is the gastrointestinal system mature enough that it can start to naturally excrete many of these substances so it's that it's that's the issue for me that's the problem for me um but to give somebody a uh, you know if, if somebody have a child a child has chicken pox for example mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I'm the first person to say to parents, look, don't abstain to, you know, for your child to go to school from the other child with chicken pox. I mean, let them be exposed to it. They get exactly. the chicken pox once they're done. Yeah, and our parents, our ancestors used to know that, and they would, you know, get the kids together. We did that when we found out a kid on the block had it. We made sure our kids were exposed, and we also have natural remedies, homeopathic substances, things that support not only immunity but liver function, the pathways of elimination. These are concepts that naturopaths, you know, if we will, we're talking about that again, the concept of working with nature rather than working to suppress or overwhelm nature with intoxicants, like you described, that mess that is in that syringe. Yeah, it's it's just not how the body was designed. And so if the goal is really to vaccinate to improve immunity, we're definitely, definitely going about it completely wrong, that anybody who understands the basic premise of how the immune system works knows that what we're doing is categorically wrong. You don't do it in a time when the immune system can't function. You can't say, oh, our goal is to improve the immune function when the immune function is no long, is not even capable yet of, of developing the antibodies <laughs> that's necessary. Yeah, I know. It, and then it, you it, can't it, further suppress the immune system with these adjuvants that when they say that we're trying to improve the immune system by giving it something that's going to suppress the re- uh, response of the Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's a- outrageous would be a word. You know yeah, what else absolutely. is outrageous? Uh, the lack of success within the medical community for a lot of things. I want to ask Dr. Batar when we come back about that. Why not to become a doctor? Because evidently it's not related to success anymore like we once thought it was. What is that all about? Interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. Robert Bly. He is tenacious, isn't he? Scott. He's a brave and a decent man. He's a pioneer. Bell. This message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, if you've never seen Dr. Rasha Batar in person at one of the advanced medicine seminars, uh, it's really, to say it's inspiring is an understatement. I mean, you know, Raj, I, I brag on you a bit, but you, you, you grab an audience and you don't let go. And, and you tug them at the heartstrings everywhere, the intellect, it's all there. And, and sometimes you'll get into areas like talking about success, and you've done whole seminars on that, and people are inspired, absolutely inspired. And, and I thought this would be an interesting topic to discuss because there's an article on Natural News uh, about becoming a doctor, and they said if you want to succeed in life, don't. 
become a doctor? Wow. I mean, I think have shifted. My uncle warned me that this would happen, too. Uh, you had some messages, I, I believe, from your dad as well. Yeah, actually, one of the things that my dad had said when we were growing up, he encouraged us to get our graduate degrees. You know, he said get a degree in law and medicine and engineering and, and something. Get your graduate degree, get your doctorate, your Ph.D., whatever you want to get, and then go into business because the doctors, the researchers, the lawyers, they never make the big money. They are usually providing services to the people that make big money. So if you want to become wealthy, you know, he he came to this country from a third world country to make a better life for his kids, for his family. Mm-hmm. And so he was the the typical person that uh, strives to improve his lot in life and his children's lot in life by capturing the American capitalist dream. And so that's what he taught us, you know, get your degree, but then go into business. Right, right. Well, in, in this case, of course, we find a, a lot of my doctor buddies, you know, later on in their practice going, oh, my gosh, I, I, I should have had a message like that because they're now trying to figure out th- if you think that doctors are equal wealthy, n- not necessarily the case. The more the government has involved itself in medicine, the more difficult it is just to make a living, much less pay back the loans that in this article they say it's like 185000 I'm thinking people are coming out, of, uh, I think you said even uh, undergrad with that kind of debt, much less med school, could be half a mil or more. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. That's uh, that's exactly the numbers. It's uh, The estimate in that study that you sent to me, Robert, has is, is got to be wrong because I think that's just an undergraduate alone. But medical school, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at a couple hundred thousand minimum, and that's if you're going to a state school. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you come out to, to maybe you went in for the right reasons, and it, it, you suddenly you realize that you're dealing with such a bureaucracy, which is, again, was my uncle's message, who was a medical doctor all those years ago. He said, this is where it's going. It's, um, it's just miserable trying to do what you're trained to do. Well, you have to hire now 10 people just to deal with the paperwork interaction with the government. So it's a, you know, it's a bigger picture, but it's an interesting discussion to have because I know we got a lot of young listeners that may be inspired to go into the healing arts of which there's not a lot of art artistry happening in a lot of modern medicine, but let's just say somebody is, has a passion, their heart is sending them in that direction. I think we want them to go in with their eyes open. Yeah, without a doubt, Robert. And and I think that if there were people that went in for the right reason, uh, those reasons are always, always diluted as you go through the process. I know that when I went into medicine, there were many people that in my class that wanted to be doctors, but they decided not to because it didn't make sense to them to graduate from college with the debt and then incur another couple hundred thousand dollars in debt when they could actually take a job. Um, these are people that had degrees in you know chemistry and in um, biology and whatever. And they could start making forty, fifty, sixty. Some of these people are making hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars right out of college. Why not do that as opposed to uh, being being paid the lowest? I don't know whether you know this, but an intern, at least back then, was the lowest paid job in the United States when you worked it out by hour, uh, hourly rate. So why take the lowest paying job and take on another four years of obligation on top of it? Well, if a person really wants to be a doctor, you'd, you'd have to be an idiot or really want to get into the profession to do it. And that's really what it took then. Now it's even worse because you, not only would you have to truly be committed to the profession to want to help people, when you get in there, they're going to literally beat you into compliance, mm-hmm. and any notion of wanting to help people will be drowned because you're just trying to survive. 
Right, right. You know, I I got to hang out with the president of the National College of Natural Medicine, brilliant guy, David, very smart, and he's a businessman. He gets it. He saw, he studied intricately. How did modern medicine become a monopoly? What did it do with the school? How did it interact with the business world? And he understands how these things happen. They aren't by accident. It wasn't because modern medicine was the best on the planet that it rose to the top, if you will. There was a lot of Machiavellian activity behind the scenes that led there. And, and, and that's something that if you don't know history, you have no idea. You just assume, well, they rose to the top because they are the best. They learn the most. It's not necessarily that's what we true. Taught. That's yeah. what we taught. But, you know, you un, you make the playing field uneven. You tie your opponents behind his back. You put a <laughs> yeah. blindfold on him. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it's not a fair fight. And now you let everybody else believe that, that it was a fair fight, and that's what became the best. It's absolutely not true. You're you're absolutely correct. And you know we see the evidence of that. There are companies like I've mentioned before, um, the uh, the company that um, is uh, one of the Fortune 500s or maybe Fortune 100. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the president of which is a friend of mine now, and you know his. I just spoke at one of his um, plants, and I thought it's actually a funny story, and I'll just tell you it because it just is on the top of my mind because I just received an email from him this morning. Um, I got an email message from one of my staff members, my special project manager's assistant, sends me an email back in December saying that uh, you, you've been requested to speak at such and such place. Do you want to do that? Well. I assumed it came from corporate at Parker. I said, fine, go ahead and see if we can, uh, what the availability is. I had some things already scheduled. They went ahead and changed my schedule. And then four months later, just last week, I go and speak there. Well, I go and speak at the smaller plant. I don't think I've spoken in front of such a small group in probably a decade, but I go there and it's two groups of people and really, really uh, a great experience. But then I come to find out that it was two people at that local plant that had taken the initiative upon themselves a uh, young lady by the name of Katie and another one by the name of Jennifer that took it upon themselves to reach out to me because I was one of the preferred providers for the company and took it upon themselves that they they have a passion for health, they have a passion for wellness, they have a passion for what their company is trying to do to help their employees. And so they initiated this entire thing on their own. I would have never gone there had I not thought that it was something initiated from the top because I thought Don had pass it on to his right-hand man to go ahead and get done. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of my staff members told me, so I just made that assumption. I didn't know that it had nothing to do with corporate. Well, I sent a message back telling him that, look, you got two great girls that, you know, set this thing up, and I thought it went well. Yes. I get feedback from from these two young ladies saying that they just, what they did for the employees, how many people have stopped them in the hallways. They have they had gotten a couple of copies of the book for their library to, um, for, you know, for people to borrow to read, and they said that they've they've got so many people that are wanting to borrow the book. They want so many people that have bought the book. We've got you know patients or people from there that want to become patients, and they just said it, you have no idea how much of an impact you had by being there. And it made me realize that the the loyalty that those people feel for the company because that came through strong, very strongly. That they have a true loyalty to their leader because they know that their leader Don mm-hmm. truly cares about his employees for having instituted some of these things, uh, resources for his own people. It not only improves the health and wellness of his employees, which is, of course, you know, a good thing that any leader would want, but he also understands that it increases productivity, it increases retention, it increases loyalty, it increases performance at work. And 
that energy, it just builds upon itself. It's like a domino effect. The people realize I'm working for a company that truly does care about me. It gives them more incentive. It gives them more uh, ambition. It, it drives them. And, you know, it, it's a win-win-win for all parties. And so what, what's the, i, I got to ask you, I mean, it seems obvious in one sense, but it's, it's worth asking this way. What's the takeaway message for someone who is a businessman? Because a lot of folks look at businessmen, oh, they're greedy. It's just all about the bottom line. Well, see, this, this is... This is the problem with our society right now. If it wasn't for business, we mm-hmm. wouldn't be where we are as a nation. And because the businesses have been hurt so much by all the all the bread and butter businesses that have been hurt by the by all the things that the, you know, I don't want to get into the our mm-hmm. normal minutia that we talk <laughs> yeah. about all the things that the government does, but yeah, because businesses have been hurt, that's the reason the economy has been stifled because of the businesses being hurt. You know, Robert, I'll just back up for a second. All the corporate bailouts that took place, if that same money had been spent to distribute evenly and equitably among the American population, all the citizens of the U.S., right, the population Mm -hmm. of the U.S., I think the number was something like $460,000 in the pocket of every American. You talk (laughs) about a stimulus. Oh, gee, yeah. business. Can you imagine what that would do? How many people would start their own businesses with that? But then, well, when you look the, when you look at that number, then you have to acknowledge that, it, that the intention was never to help the people or or make the business community or or, or let's say the terrain for business better. It, it, that's exactly right. And the takeaway message for businesses is that when you take care of your people, you it, it, I mean the motivation for businesses to to uh, earn more money. If you take care of your people, your people are your most prized asset. It's not the product or the technology or the service that you provide. It's your people. And if you can take care of your people, then you will be successful. No matter what happens in whatever kind of economy, you will be successful because your asset is your people. Your asset is not your technology. Your asset is not your products. Your asset is not your services. This is a message that I think would be the take-home message um, and whatever goes out there, you, you know, we know what happens with karma. You know, I tell Don all the time, I tease him, and I tell him that he's already bought his way to heaven. But karma, <laughs> from a karmic standpoint, you know, it's impacting so many people's lives in such a beneficial way. And those, people's will, those people will always think about you in a positive way. And that, you and I have talked about before, is nothing different than a prayer and intention. Because right. when they think of you, they're, they're you know, that, from a karmic standpoint, every business should want to do this just from, just from that standpoint. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, the thing is, it's not guaranteeing access to mercury-containing vaccines for all your employees. What you're talking about is is somewhat to be significantly different in that we can't have employees that could help us to grow a business if they're toxic and sick and polluted. You know, that. so the paradigm of health is not what the government is promoting. It's like, we want health care for all. What kind of health care is it? Oh, it's vaccinate, it's radiate, it's surgically remove things. But that's not healthcare. It's redefined. They've altered the definition. People don't even know what it means anymore. You're absolutely right, and and it's up to us, which is what we're doing, to help define that. And yes. you know, every opportunity that I get now, I used to say, "Well, this group isn't large enough for me to speak at," or you know, "I'm too busy for this." But in the last couple of years, uh, I've told my staff that if they, even it makes has the potential of making a difference in one person's life, it is our obligation to right. take the time to do it. Yep, healing is your birthright. Tap into it each week here on Outside the Box. No, it's not Outside the Box. It's it's, it's the Medical Rewind. It's uh, Medicine Monday. Public note that this will be my last show in Medical no, Rewind. No, no, Dr. Batar. Blame Ty. No, don't. We'll be back to wrap up Advanced Medicine after this. The revolution will be broadcast. 
The Robert Scott Bell Show. it up at the same time, Advanced Medicine Monday. Do we say it's all downhill from here, uh, Dr. Vitar? What do we say at this point? All downhill from here? What do you mean, at this last segment of the show? Like, well, do we reach the pinnacle on Monday, and then when we get to uh, tie, what happens or anything? Oh, now you're just trying to inside a war here. But <laughs> see, see, Robert, I don't see... The, there's no competition. I mean, for me to actually engage with Ty would have to acknowledge that Ty is actually an opponent and there's there's just no competition. I mean why why would I wanna why would I want to be as an adult pick on a child that's still in diapers? That's not that's not, <laughs> not be responsible for me. We have officially kicked the week into high gear now. Wow. Yeah, that was classic. Very good. I, and, oh, and look, I just got I just got a message from Ty while I'm on the air over here. Yes. And it says uh Goo goo gaga. So, like, you know, sucking his thumb right now. And um, <laughs> he heard, I heard my music on your show today. And uh, goo goo gaga, something like that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my. About oh. Something. oh my. Oh my. Well, hopefully we can all get together and settle it. Uh, maybe in Here, Asheville. Let me tell you something. Though. This is something yeah. that I do need to mention. And it's actually foolish of me to doing this. Yeah. Whenever somebody starts to give you uh, crap, I think I can say that, right? Yes. Somebody you starts can. giving yes. you crap on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when I, I'm like teasing some of my patients, I have that you know relationships with some of my patients, and I'm about to give them an injection. They're like, you know, saying something to me. I tell them, I remind them, look, I've got a needle, a sharp object. Right. So it would probably behoove you not to uh, goof on me right now while I'm about to inject you. So I should actually remember what Ty does for me, and actually remember that I should not be doing that. Otherwise, he may make a mistake on. Um, oh yeah, like the next edition of Cancer Step Outside the Box when he talks or, about Doctor Batar. You know anything else? That's some of the other things that that Ty does for us. So yeah, it's true. No, no, no. We love Ty. Listen, it's fun. It's it's a whole lot of fun. And uh, I, I think now before we get to that Wednesday show, when you he really will Don, be with did us. You notice that that, that that Robert's kind of starting to panic and he's backpedaling now because he's um, to yeah, I'm very nervous. Yeah, I'm isn't very, that, isn't that interesting? I, I, don't I, like I did getting, notice that. I don't like being caught in the middle of this. This is very nerve wracking <laughs> for me. Can uh, we all just get along? I know. Why can't we get along? <laughs> hey, question of the day came in from uh, Lynn, and, and this is weird i say it's weird because i i didn't know that they prescribe oxycodone for breathing do you see this one yeah yeah and actually they don't normally prescribe oxycodone for breathing actually i think that's a that's some misinformation on her part uh in fact if anything narcotics will decrease the respiratory drive so they wouldn't do that they would probably they're giving her oxycodone more as a relaxer slash pain uh, analgesic component because she's from the email, at least, it says she's got a stage one lung cancer diagnosis, so she's probably having pain mm-hmm. when she's taking deep breath in. She's, it's a pleuritic type pain, so they give her oxycodone for that. And when you numb the pain from the deep inspirations, that allows you to theoretically expand your lungs more. But she's, they're not giving it to her for breathing. They're giving it to her actually to control the pain because when she breathes, it hurts. Gotcha, gotcha. And then she, she says later she's got large lymph nodes, she had a CT scan. I mean, the thing is, I hope they don't, like, cut her and take out her lymph nodes, recognizing that that's the pathway out for the bad stuff. You know, I just don't know what kind of care she's under. Yeah, it's something that, from a solution standpoint, to help her to alleviate the symptom that she's having, that's actually a relatively easy thing to do, and that's a procedure that we do in the office, which we've talked about on the air before. 
right. uh, IRRs, and if she can get to a doctor that can do the infratrespiratory reflex injections, it's an ex- extremely, extremely effective, quick onset. You know, we're talking 30 to 45 seconds, and um, extremely reproducible therapy that's been published in the American Journal of Family Practice back in the, I think, 1980s, and uh, developed by Dr. Filbert. And there are, there are a number of doctors that do that treatment, so I would encourage you to find somebody that can do that treatment. Yeah, pretty profound as well. I was just thinking in terms of, uh, you know, the lung tissue itself, nebulizing some silver or some copper from the hydrosol colloidal perspective into the tissue there to reduce inflammation or address if there is a microbial burden as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, even though they, I'm certain that there is some type of a microbial burden, but it's not the cause of her pain. Right, That's right. more of a pleuritic scarring, you know, constriction due to a mass effect and or uh, sclerotic changes that are occurring. So either chronic or acute, I'm sure probably both in, in her case. If you've got cancer, then there's aspects there that are chronic. And, and of course, it's a positive feedback type situation where the restriction due to pain of deep inspiration will not cause further constriction to occur, and so it just gets worse and worse. Right. Well, listen, uh, we do have a show on Tuesday, but definitely tune in Wednesday to find out what Dr. Batar does to get back at Ty Bollinger on <laughs> Outside the Box Wednesday. That's going to be interesting. But what, a, what an exciting and wonderful Advanced Medicine Monday this has been, Dr. Batar. Well, I, w- I wouldn't do it whether people could actually see what Ty's sending me on Skype. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where does he get these images to actually send on Skype. <laughs> oh, no. Well, listen, I hope the images relate this, the God's honest truth. Go to MedicalRewind.com, and remember, the power to heal the is Robert yours. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.